Good morning. If we could get started here, we'll, uh, we'll dive into the scriptures together. Uh, again, welcome. It's so good to see you all here uh, and to you watching online as well. As I just told you, my name is Scott, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here if we haven't met. So it's so good to see you all here. Um, would you open your Bible to Acts chapter 1? Acts chapter 1. We have finished our Philippians series, and we're getting started in our summer series in the book of Acts. All right, Acts chapter 1, and we are going to be looking at verses 1 through 11 this morning, looking at the ascension of Jesus as we start this new series called Compelling Community. So Acts chapter 1, hear the word of the Lord. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And my friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but we know that the word of our God will remain forever. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can take your seat. Keep your Bible open. Let's pray for God to bless his word. Father, we thank you for the scriptures that you've given us, that your spirit inspired, that you've preserved for us. And we pray, Father, that you would reveal the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, to us, Lord, as we read and study and look at the scriptures this morning. Father, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right, well, I want to start this morning off with a question, a little bit of a thought experiment. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, I'm going to give you a second to think about it, and if you feel like shouting your answer out, that's fine. That's totally fine with me. Um, when you think of the most important human achievements in the history of the world, what comes to your mind? I heard a lot of things, I couldn't really make any of them out, so <laughs> I'll trust those were good answers. Well, did anyone say the invention of the smartphone? Yeah, no, I got some booze on that one. Yeah, can you imagine, though, uh, whether you like the smartphone or not, can you imagine what our world would be like without it? I think in some ways it'd be a lot better. <laughs> I think that's true. Uh, it's too late to go back now. It's here, and I don't think it's going anywhere. But really, can you imagine what our world was like in 2007, the year the iPhone came out? Like, before 2007. Such a different world. And that's, that's recent. That's only 16 years ago, right? Uh, can you imagine what life would be like if we didn't have this next one, 
the discovery and the harnessing of electricity. Remember a few weeks ago or a few months ago when we had service with no power? Yeah, that was pretty wild, right? All right, I was just seeing if you all were awake. That's what that was. But think about that. The life without electricity, that was a very, very different world, right? Uh, What about, finally, the Apollo 11 mission, which back in 1969, for the first time ever, put human beings on the moon? Yeah, that's what you said. Yes. And this meme is appropriate because I will be talking about King Charles today. So, um, yes. There you go. Sorry, Pastor Richard. I already told him about this. So, (laughs) Anyway, with all these events, what they have in common, what all these events have in common is that they involve a human or humans doing something which had never been done before, but which opened the way for the rest of humanity to follow. Okay, so that's what these things that I've mentioned have in common. Uh, Walter Cronkite, actually, anyone in the room remember Walter Cronkite? Yeah, yeah, the famous uh, TV journalist. A uh, couple, couple days after the moon landing, he described it like this. He said, the date is now indelible. It's going to be remembered as long as man survives. July 20, 1969, the day a man reached and walked on the moon. The least of us is improved by the things done by the best of us. And Armstrong, Aldrin, and Collins, they're the best of us. And they've led us further and higher than we ever imagined we were likely to go. Interesting. That's pretty high praise. And there's good reason for that. It was a pretty amazing achievement. But I wonder if anyone in the room, when I asked that question, thought the ascension of Jesus. Anybody think that? Dixie, you're so spirit. Of course you did. Awesome. Dixie Tibbetts for the win. Yes. Other than Dixie, did anybody think the ascension of Jesus? Right? That's not something necessarily that comes to mind. The ascension of Jesus. And as we'll see today, and I want to look at this, the ascension makes all these other things, as important and as world-changing as they were, it makes them pale in comparison, and I'm not just saying that because that's the Sunday school thing to say and we're in church and I'm a pastor, it really is true. And to use Walter Cronkite's words, Jesus' ascension has led us further and higher than we ever imagined we could go. And what I mean by that is that Jesus' ascension has opened the way for you and me to go to a place that it was absolutely impossible for us to go to before. And it's not somewhere else in the universe or in the galaxy. It's the throne room of God. The ascension of Jesus has opened the door for you and me to stand before God's throne with confidence. And that's amazing. So as we look at the ascension today in Acts chapter 1, and as I said, we're starting this new series called Compelling Community, where we're looking at uh, the book of Acts over the summer. What we're going to see today is that because of Jesus' ascension, we, the church, are now the spirit-empowered community. What are we? Yes, very good. The spirit-empowered community. So this Sunday, May 21st today, actually is Ascension Sunday. It's an important day on the church calendar, if you didn't know that. But what is Ascension Sunday? And even more important and more basic And this is a question I think that a lot of us as Christians have. What is the ascension? And 
Why does it matter? I think that's a legitimate question. I think it's probably one that we've all asked and maybe still kind of wonder about. Right? I, I think we all understand the importance and the relevance of Jesus' birth. That's a big one. Uh, of course, Jesus' death on the cross for our sin, and obviously his resurrection. I mean, this is the gospel. These things are essential to our faith. But what about his ascension? Why does the ascension matter? If someone were to ask you that, what answer would you give? Right? It's a, I think it's a good question. Uh, it kind of almost seems like sort of the P.S. at the end of a letter that you write. You know, you finish your letter, and oh, oh, by the way, I forgot to add this one little detail. Right? It kind of almost sometimes seems like that. But I want to show you this morning, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. So I want to look at what the ascension is and then why it matters to our lives. Really simple this morning, but hopefully this will be a blessing to you. Um, so what does ascend mean? What does it mean to ascend? Go up. To go up vertically. That's pretty easy. Right? We all know that. You, you, know, you just go up. That's what it means to ascend. But is that what the Bible is talking about when it says that Jesus ascended? In Luke 9, when, when Luke writes, when Jesus had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. What is Luke saying here? Is Luke saying that Jesus sort of like lifted off or blasted off into the air, right? Like on a cloud or something like that and, and went to some other place in the galaxy or in the universe? Are we supposed to think of like the space shuttle launch like, you know, is that, is that what we're supposed to think of when we read about the ascension? It's a pretty cool picture, by the way. Right? How Armstrong and the other astronauts, they left the Earth in Florida and went into space. Is that what Luke is saying? The answer, of course, is no. That's not what Luke's talking about. In, in Luke 24 and here in Acts 1, when Luke talks to us about Jesus ascending, he has something else in mind, something very specific. And this is where I want to camp for a second. To ascend in the story of Jesus and what we're talking about this morning means to walk up the steps and sit on the throne as the king. That's what it means. The idea is to ascend the throne. I'm sure you've all heard that phrase before. And if you want a concrete example of this, well, we all just saw one a couple weeks ago, didn't we? What just happened over in England two weeks ago? King Charles, yeah? He was coronated. He sat on the throne of England and was coronated, crowned as the king. We all saw it earlier this month. Actually, it was kind of cool. My wife and I, uh, we had the, the privilege of taking a quick vacation uh, over to England the week before the coronation. Um, and we got to visit some friends and walk down St. James Street from Buckingham Palace to Westminster where they did the whole procession and all of that. We didn't have a golden chariot pulled by horses, unfortunately. Uh, but it was really cool. It was a neat thing to do. And the really, actually, the greatest part about the coronation, and I say this in all seriousness, this is very important you understand this, the greatest thing about the whole coronation is that it happened on my birthday. I mean, amazing. I thought it was really big of Charles to wait for my birthday to take the throne. I appreciated that. Um, apparently, I'm a big deal to the British. Um, so, <laughs> Pastor Richard, you've got good connections. No, uh, seriously though, what Luke has in mind here is when he's talking about Jesus' ascension is that Jesus has ascended the throne. He has taken his place as king of the universe. That's what Luke's talking about. And when we think about the ascension, right, remember back again, King Charles a couple weeks ago, when he sat on the throne and was crowned the king, 
it wasn't just symbolic. Something actually happened. Charles's relationship to everyone in England changed fundamentally when he was crowned the king. Right? His relationship to the entire United Kingdom, really to the world, his relationship to the world was fundamentally changed. He received a kingdom and he received authority. Does that sound familiar from your reading of the Bible? This is what the ascension is about. That Jesus, God who became human, who humbled himself, who died and rose from death, has been exalted by God the Father and seated at his right hand with all power and authority on the throne. That's what the ascension is all about. Jesus reigns as the king. So the ascension is essential to the gospel. When Jesus died, he bore our sins in his body on the cross, and he bore the wrath of God for our sin. He paid for it in full. He redeemed us. When he rose from the dead, he proved that he truly is God and Lord, that the gospel message that we proclaim is true. And when he ascended, he took the throne as king of the universe, where he rules and reigns at the Father's right hand. This is what the ascension is all about. Jesus' enthronement as king. And from that comes the second aspect of the ascension. And this is where we're going to focus the rest of our time. Jesus is enthroned as king, and what he did was pour out his Holy Spirit. He sent the Spirit. Okay? So Jesus is enthroned as king, and Jesus has sent the Spirit. And he sent the Spirit to live in every single one of us who follow him. That's why we as the church are the Spirit-empowered community. He has sent his Spirit to live in us. So look with me again at verses 1 through 3. Luke writes in the first book, speaking of the Gospel of Luke, Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's important. Until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So look at what Luke said here. In my first letter, I wrote everything that Jesus began to do and to teach. Just the beginning of his ministry. And how does Luke end the gospel of Luke? What is the final thing that happens? Can you guess? The ascension. Luke ends his gospel with the ascension, but that was only the beginning of what Jesus began to do and to teach, which means, my friends, that Jesus is still today doing and teaching. And how is he doing that? Yeah, by his Spirit, who lives in who? Us. Yes, this is the glory of the ascension. Jesus continues to do and to teach and to work in and through his church, through his people, by his spirit. That's us, you and me. Now, are we supposed to do this then in our own strength and all by ourselves? No, we're not. I want to show you a picture here. Who recognizes this guy? Yes, Usain Bolt. Jamaican sprinter. <clears throat> I promise this ties into the sermon. Uh, Usain Bolt, he is the world record holder for the men's 100-meter dash. He's a Jamaican sprinter, and back in 2009, in one of the world championship races, he ran the 100 meters in 9.58 seconds, which is insane. 
That is so crazy. And that record still stands 14 years later. <clears throat> so another thought experiment. What would happen if I lined up on the blocks next to him? <laughs> Why are you laughing? I, I don't understand this. Right? Yeah, I would finish in like 30 seconds probably. Um, he, he would, he, I mean, he's amazing. He's ab it's mind-numbing to think of how fast this guy is. And if I were to try and compete with him, there's, there's no way. It, wouldn't, it would be over before it even began. <clears throat> but what if somehow, and this is a you know, strange illustration, but what if somehow Usain Bolt could like crawl inside my skin and run the race through me? And I'm there running, I, I break the world record, right? Not possible, but that would be amazing. What if that could happen? That's kind of the idea of what I'm talking about here. When we talk about Jesus having filled us with his Holy Spirit and working in and through us, it's not us running down the track as hard as we can, really trying hard. It's Jesus living his life in and through us. That's the Christian life. That Jesus, our resurrected Lord, is living his life in and through us. Look with me again at verses 4 and 5. Luke writes, And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. <clears throat> and my friends, this is how the ascension affects our lives today. <clears throat> Jesus reigns with all authority as the king on the throne. And he lives in and through you and me by his Holy Spirit, continuing to do and to teach through us. And so what this means then is that Today, and when you leave here today, and when you wake up tomorrow and you go to your workplace or your home with your kids or you're with your family or whatever it is, if you know Jesus, he lives in you and he is living in and through you. And everywhere you go, you are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Everywhere you go. Do you see how that affects your life? And do you see how the ascension now is very important to our Christian faith? Very important. And again, this is what makes us, the church, Jesus' spirit-empowered community, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do his work. So what am I saying in all of this? <clears throat> what I'm saying is that because Jesus has ascended back to the Father, he's taken the throne as the king, and he has sent his Holy Spirit to live in you and me. And we are now his spirit-empowered community. But empowered for What? Why are we empowered? Why has he chosen to give us his Holy Spirit? And this is where we'll finish today. Look at verses 6 through 8. Jesus, uh, Luke writes, So then when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons <clears throat> that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus commands his apostles to be filled with his Holy Spirit and then to go out empowered by him to preach the gospel in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and then to the ends of the earth. This is the mandate for the church. <clears throat> and more accurately, this is Jesus continuing to do and to teach through his people. Jesus sends them out to do his work and he lives in and through them doing that. 
So what that means then, my friends, is that we have been given as the church, as God's people, an incredible amount of authority and responsibility. Right? If you think about the fact that God himself, Jesus, the crucified and risen Lord, lives in you if you know him, and he speaks and works through you to proclaim his gospel and to love and to serve others, you have an incredible amount of authority that he's given you, which also comes with an incredible amount of responsibility. Do you see that? This is what it means to live the Christian life. Jesus living in and through us. This is what Paul wrote in Galatians 2. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. So when you talk to your neighbor, your coworker, your family member about Jesus, and you proclaim the gospel, and you tell them about the Lord and his death and resurrection, There's a very real sense in which it's Jesus himself is the one doing the proclaiming, speaking through you. Now, can you get your head around that for a moment? It's it's wild. It's, It's really amazing to think about that. When do you get this understanding? And this is all possible because of the ascension. This is what the ascension means. This is why Jesus said, it's better for you if I go away and I will send my spirit and he will fill you and be with you always. This is why Jesus said that. And so we are emboldened then by the Spirit to proclaim Jesus everywhere we go, every day, with him living in and through us. And this really ties into what we want to do here as a church at Jayville Prez, uh, because part of our church vision and mission statement is that we would be a community of everyday disciples, which means the things that I'm telling you then apply to every single one of us. No matter our position, our title, it doesn't matter. If you're a follower of Jesus and dwelt by his spirit, this is for you. And this is for me. Every single person. And again, this is our reality because of the ascension. So as I begin to land the plane here, uh, what are a couple of ways, sort of real-life concrete ways, that you and I can do this and partake in what the Lord is doing? Uh, There's a few things here that we do at the church that I want to highlight really quickly. Uh, The first one is the word one-to-one. You've heard about this. We've talked about it. Uh, Bill McCandless and myself are uh, blessed to kind of head this up. And this is just part of the Gospel of John, and it's a phenomenal resource. Just to sit down with someone over coffee or a meal and just read through John together and answer questions and talk about it. It's an amazing tool, and we're seeing people come to Christ through this. Uh, We're seeing more and more of our people involved in this ministry and doing this and and utilizing this great resource. So we'd love to get you plugged into that if you're interested. Um, You can always get a hold of me, and I would love to talk with you about that. It's an amazing way to to allow Jesus to live and work through your life in his word. And he's the one doing the speaking because it's his word. You don't even have to know what to say. It's great. It's wonderful. Um, Also, we serve several times a month at the Gospel Mission. Uh, which is a great ministry where we get to go and serve meals uh, to the homeless in our community. Uh, We just served a hundred and something people uh, this last Thursday night. It was a great time. Uh, It was really cool to see people get involved with that. Uh, Also, you know, we run Alpha here at the church occasionally. We've done it twice. We're going to do it again in the fall. And Alpha is a great opportunity to invite someone who doesn't know Jesus or is kind of maybe not sure where they're at with him uh, to explore questions of faith and and all of that, and to just to see people start to have the light come on a little bit, 
and start to understand who Jesus is. And then finally, I already mentioned it, uh, but we're going to have a guy who's doing this in an amazing way, Stephen Kelly, come. And he's going to be here in two weeks. And, and again, this is his book, From Cairo to Christ. Uh, come and join us and, and hear about how Jesus is living and working through him uh, to reach the Muslim world. These are just some suggestions, and this is not in any way trying to guilt you or, or add one more thing into your already very busy life. Um, I understand that's reality. But again, this is the ascension. This is Jesus living in and through us, doing his will in and through us to reach the world with his gospel. And so finally, this brings us to verses 9 through 11, <clears throat> and I promise we'll close here. Luke writes, and when, Jesus, and when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Kind of a strange twist of events again in the, in the narrative here, in the Bible. Like, what is going on here? First of all, who are these guys, these two random guys that are just all of a sudden there? Um, usually, I assumed that they were angels. Uh, when I was reading through this uh, in, in the Greek this week, it actually uses the word men, which is interesting. It could still be angels. Some people actually think it could be Moses and Elijah. I have no idea. Um, if you want to argue with me and ask me more about that, you can send me an email. It's uh, dustin.j at jvilprez.org, and I will be happy to engage with you as much as you want on that topic. Um, he's not here, so I can say that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what, what Luke is doing here, the reason he includes this is in, in the language, it's, it's trying to indicate that the disciples, sort of what was going on is it wasn't just they watched Jesus go up and then they're like, these two random guys are like, what are you doing? Get out of here. The idea here is that they were just sort of doing this. That's the idea. They were continuing to stare and gaze up into the sky. And what was probably happening is they were probably hoping that Jesus was just going to kind of turn around and come back. And that was it, right? That's kind of what they were, what they were hoping, we think. And so these two men or angels or whoever they are, they rebuke the apostles. Basically, what are you guys doing? Right? Like literally, he, three verses ago, he just told you, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Spirit, and then you'll be empowered to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That probably means he's not coming back in five minutes. So yeah, get out of here, right? That's probably what they're doing. Like, come on, guys, go. Go back to Jerusalem. Do what he said. And the apostles, understandably, they're, they're sad uh, because their rabbi, their friend, is gone. But they should have been rejoicing. They should have been excited because this is a whole new era now of God's work in the world. That God is going to send his Holy Spirit to live in and through those who believe in him. Which is a fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophets of the new covenant. That's what it is. That I will send my spirit. And so these verses can be summarized as follows. Jesus left. One day he's coming back. So in the meantime, get busy. There's a lot of work to do. Right? That's kind of how that can be summarized. Um, so with all of that, and, and by the way, no, we don't know when he's returning. It doesn't tell us. So uh, The ascension, then, my friends, is really essential. It's part and parcel of the gospel. 
Again, it's not the PS at the end of the letter. It's really the climax of the gospel narrative because it takes everything, as, as Tim Keller said, it takes everything that Jesus is and everything that he said and did, and it releases it with power into our lives and into the world because now the Spirit lives in us. And Jesus continues to do and to teach in and through you and me as we submit to him and walk with him. So, my friends, that is God's invitation to us this morning to leave this place and walk in the Spirit's power as the Spirit-empowered community that we are for Jesus to live and work in and through you and me. That's the Christian life, and that is the importance of the ascension to our faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, that you died on the cross for us. Lord, that you paid for our sins, reconciled us to the Father. Lord, you rose from the dead. And Lord, you ascended. Lord Jesus, you have opened the door to the very throne room of the Father for us. And you've let us in as your children. And Lord Jesus, you have ascended the throne and you rule and reign over all things as the sovereign and eternal king of the universe. And we know, Lord, that you are coming back one day. With the writers of Scripture, we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, Lord. But until that day, may we occupy and be faithful to do your work. And Lord Jesus, would you live your life, God, in and through us by your Spirit, which is possible now because of the ascension. So, Lord, we thank you on this Ascension Sunday for your faithfulness to us. And as we think about that and we pray for that, uh, Father, we also pray for those in our church, Lord, who are uh, facing illness and disease, who are facing need. Lord, we lift them up by name to you. And, Father, we pray for Mac Pefley, for Colleen Eccleston, John Esser, Lorraine Hoffman, Randy and Lori Templeton, Sean McCoy, Harry Gill, and Paul Deller. Father, may they sense your peace with them. Jesus, may you show them that, God, even in the midst of difficulty, that you are living and working and teaching and doing through them. That, God, their lives are a testimony to your faithfulness and your power. And, Lord, you're at work in them, even in the midst of their difficulty. We pray, Lord Jesus, for another church here in the Rogue Valley. We pray, Lord, for St. John Lutheran Church. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would bless them. Uh, Lord God, we pray that uh, you would bless, Father, their pastor and their elders. Lord, we just pray for that congregation to stay in the scriptures and continually draw close to you, Father, and walk with your Son. And finally, Father, we pray for, again, our missions prayer focus for the month for Brent O'Neill and his family. We lift them up. We pray for their ministry in Bend. And we ask, Father, that you would, by your Spirit, work through them to reach the people of Bend. And we ask, Lord Jesus, for the people in Bend who are not yet believers to have an open heart and a receptivity to the gospel message, Lord. So Jesus, be glorified, God, um, in and through Brent, Lord, in and through our church here in Jayville and every one of our lives. Today and this week, Lord, as you live and work through us. In Jesus' name, amen.